Well, that was an all-round exciting gospel reading. <laughs> How many here have been to hell? Three of us? Three of us? Four? Four have been to hell? Five, maybe? Actually, the hell that's in this gospel is an actual place. It's a valley just outside of the walls of Jerusalem. It was the rubbish dump where they threw the rubbish and the animal carcasses and burnt it. So when Jesus talks about the fires of hell, he's talking about the rubbish dump just down the road. So you don't need to get too stressed about that hell. But others of you, I'm sure, have been to a much more realistic hell. So, the today's readings are, well most of them, Paul not so much, is all about law. The law of God. So what is the purpose of the law? invite you to turn around and talk to your neighbours about what is the purpose of the law. So what is the purpose of the law? Any, anyone willing to venture a, a, an answer or two? Get rid of the old one. 
So what the man, man could then do was just say, I can say to Bonnie, uh, I divorce you, here's a certificate, off you go, you're no longer my wife. And that was not a good thing for the woman involved or her children because they had no security, no family, no financial base. So they were then excluded from the community. So Jesus is saying, this is not a good thing. You just stick to the wife you've got. So it's actually a protection for women, that particular one. It's all about the shift from multiple wives to single wives and the consequences of that for the woman. Well, this question about the purpose of the law is very important. It's important because it shapes our understanding of what life in God is all about. It shapes our understanding of Scripture, and it shapes our understanding of how we are to read Scripture, as we heard in today's Gospel reading. Law is the theme that runs through three of our readings today, so it's not a theme that we can ignore. The psalm we heard this morning is Psalm 119. And if you know your psalms, you know that Psalm 119 is really, really, really long. It's at least twice as long, maybe three times as long as the next, next longest psalm. And it's an acrostic psalm, so it has 22 verses, and each verse matches, starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. If we would do an acrostic poem in English, there would be 26 verses, and the first verse would start with A, and the second verse would start with B, and the third verse would start with the letter C, and so on. And so that's what Psalm 119 does. Starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, all through each 22 letters. And it is all about... It is a love poem written in homage to God's law. So not many of us would think about writing a love poem in homage of God's law, but that's exactly what Psalm 119 is. And I have to say that when I pray it, I sometimes struggle with it. The reading we heard from this morning in from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 30, some of, some of us have done... Uh, Bible study course called Bethel, Bonnie and Jackie and I, and we know that Deuteronomy 30, the theme of that was choose life. So then, then we heard that passage this morning. Now Deuteronomy actually means second law. The first law was Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then second law was a rewriting of that law. The second time Moses' law was presented. And the writer is very clear. To choose to obey the law means to choose life. That's how we find life, obeying the law, which some of you said. And to not obey the law is to choose death. It's a very black and white. Choose life, obey the law not obey the law, that's, that's choosing death. Now, our passage from Paul this morning isn't explicitly about the law, but the law is never far from the surface when Paul is concerned. 
Paul is a Pharisee. He is steeped in the law. He has spent his life memorizing the law, understanding the law, and making sure that everyone else understands the law and obeys the law. Because he knows that through obedience to the law, you choose life. And in fact, to make sure that you didn't break the law, the Pharisees wrote a whole lot of new laws that made sure that you couldn't even come close to breaking God's law. They built a fence around God's law. And we kind of leave Paul in that category, the legalist. And we forget that actually Paul was a radical who argued vociferously for a re-reading of God's law. He was willing to reread God's law so much that he suggested you didn't even need to be circumcised. Now that doesn't mean a lot for us, but it was impossible for a Jewish male to be a Jewish male without being circumcised. And Paul said, you don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to follow the food laws. You don't need to follow the sacrificial laws. You just don't need to do it. He was a radical, this Pharisee. He was arguing that we re-read God's law and reinterpret it. And that got him into some serious trouble with the Jewish traditionalists both in the synagogues and in the church. And always simmering in his letters is this ongoing heated discussion about the place of law and how we understand it. And that brings us to this morning's Gospel reading. So what did you think of it when you heard of it? What thoughts were going through your minds? <laughs> Sorry, what was that? <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I thought on Tuesday. Why wasn't Wendy preaching it as the roster said? How did I luck out with this one? Any other thoughts? How frail are we? Trevor thought this morning, Trevor Salvi, I'm dead. <laughs> when we talked about this reading on Tuesday, one of the people who comes, uh, well, she thought this made Jesus sound very judgmental and legalistic, and she actually wondered whether this had been inserted later on. That it just doesn't sound like the Jesus we meet in the rest of the Gospels. I think what we are witnessing here is a fierce debate. A debate both between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes and within Matthew's community about how we read Scripture. How we faithfully interpret Scripture. And I want to suggest that rather than a fundamentalist approach to Scripture, what we're hearing here is Jesus arguing for a revisionist approach. Last week we heard the Beatitudes. And I suggested on the basis of uh, some of the commentators that I read that the Beatitudes are actually offering us a whole new way of understanding the honour system. That... Rather than the normal measures of honour that were operational in his society, he was saying, these are the people who should be honoured, the peacemakers, 
the poor in the spirit, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's a whole new way of building society. And we were told last week that if we lived in this way, we would be salt of the earth and light of the world. And then, at the end of that reading, we had Jesus say, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfil. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That seems very conservative, doesn't it? How can we exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? Well, the word righteousness is the key word in all of that. And then this week, Jesus goes on and gives the examples that we heard. Those exciting examples that I now have to preach about. Which, on the face of it, look very fundamentalist and very judgmental. On the face of it, it sounds like a really strict reading of some of the commandments in Mosaic Law. The kind of strict reading that very conservative Orthodox Jews would offer us, that very conservative fundamentalist Christians would offer us, and that some very conservative Muslims would offer us. So is Jesus in that camp? Well, I think first off, Jesus is warning us about that camp. He is saying, if you think choosing life is simply about obeying the letter of the law, then you're in trouble. Because if you judge others, as the scribes and Pharisees do, according to the law, this is how you will be judged. So, if you judge others because they murder, God will judge you because you are angry at another and you will be held just as accountable and if you hold others because they commit adultery and let's face it a woman was brought to Jesus who had committed adultery and Jesus was asked to pass judgment on her if you bring someone if you accuse people and pass judgment on them for committing adultery if you look at another woman with desire in your heart, you will be judged to have committed adultery. Exactly the same. If you try to live your life by the letter of the law, you are in trouble. Because that's not what the law is about. The law is not about the rules and obeying the rules. The law is about something else. One of the commentators I read last week suggested an alternative translation to that end of the reading. He suggested, don't think that my teachings replace or reduce the law and the prophets, and don't think you can skip the details. Details count. But something more than the details is also needed. 
You must align your whole self with what God desires. That is what those in heaven are like. You must align your whole self with what God desires. That is what those in heaven are like. Think what Jesus is doing in the whole Sermon on the Mount is inviting people to go beyond a literal reading of the law. To stop just seeing it as a set of rules that they had to obey, and if they obeyed it, all would be well, and in fact it allowed them to sit in judgment on others. He's inviting them to think about what the purpose of the law is. I recently listened to a book by Rob Bell and Don Golden. Now Rob Bell, you might remember, in January last year I played a video uh, instead of preaching a sermon, uh, it was about a guy talking about how we're invited into God's rhythm. Uh, that was Rob Bell. So he's a uh, comes out of a Pentecostal church, uh, was the founder of one of the large emerging churches in America, Mars Hill, uh, and he is now in trouble with lots of his evangelical friends because he thinks that actually God is mostly about love. So one of his recent boxes, Love Wins which is exploring the nature of the afterlife. And in this book, Rob and Don suggest that the entire story of the Bible is around God's desire to create a community that will enflesh God's compassion and mercy and love for all people. Creating a community that will enflesh God's compassion and mercy and love for all people and will be a vehicle by which God's reign of justice and peace might come. Now the law, understood in this light, is the vehicle by which this community is built. And it's not built through obedience to rules. It's built when we go beyond the rules and think about what the intent of the rules are. Obedience to the letter of the law is not enough. What is needed is allowing the intent of the law to shape who we are. Or as another writer put it, allowing the being of God to shape our being. In other words, it's not so much what we do that's important, it's who we are. And God's law was the vehicle by which who we are is shaped by God's love and compassion and mercy. And we become vehicles for that love and compassion and mercy. When God is enfleshed and those laws change us, one of the things that will happen out of that is that we will stop seeing other people as objects. Several of those examples that Jesus talked about in the Gospel reading this morning were all about us seeing other people as objects of our anger. But if we are filled with God's love and compassion and mercy, they are no longer objects of our anger. But they are people like us who are made in the image of God. They are our brother and sister. 
They are no longer objects of our desire. They are no longer objects of our outreach, who we reach out to so that they might join our church, so that our church keeps going. They are no longer objects of our compassion and generosity. They are our brother and sister. It's a very easy thing to see other people as objects. But if we truly are filled with God's compassion and mercy and love, we need to see people, every person, as our brother and sister, made like us in the image of God. So, I want to suggest that in this morning's Gospel reading, God's law is not a legal code that must be obeyed to earn life. God's law is the means by which we are shaped from within by the being of God. Shaped to be people of compassion and justice and faith and love. Shaped to be people of the Beatitudes. The people who will live out the new honour system and will create a new society. So we are invited this week to spend time also learning to love God's law. But not for the rules that it offers us, but as the means by which we are shaped by God. And through that, God can sculpt how we live. So I invite you to think about what you understand the purpose of the law to be about. And how you can allow God's law and all we encounter in the scriptures to be what shapes us to be God's people of love and compassion and mercy.